our series on relationships. It's a great day for you to be here, Mother's Day. And I know you guys got a bunch of stuff you're probably going to end up doing. You got phone calls you got to make. Put it on your phone right now. Call mom. Don't be, don't mess this up. If you mess this up, you're going to be in big trouble. Uh, matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to do that right now. Call <laughs> mom. Okay, good. Uh, we're in a series on relationships. And what we did was we started off the first week and we kind of did some work inside of us and we talked about the idea that all of us have insecurities. All of us have wounds. All of us us come into relationships with us. And so uh, when we come into a relationship, we bring with us some of our baggage, some of our uh, insecurities. And I don't know if you remember, but we talked about Herschel Walker and we had a picture of him and he's got a thriving business and he's got all these awards. But what he talks about a lot is his insecurities. Stuff that happened to him when he was in junior high. And so we, one of the temptations we talked about is when you have insecurities, you try to, oftentimes, we try to achieve our way out. So if your dad's never told you you were good enough or whatever, you think to yourself, well, I'm going to get this uh, job and that'll show him. And you try to achieve your way out of it. I'm going to teach them by, by, by working and doing. And here's what the Bible says. Man, that's exhausting. You don't have to do that. So we talked about that. We talked about... How Paul, who had all those accolades, all those different things, how Paul himself said, you know what, they're rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ, that I can have that relationship with Jesus. That's that's what we want to bring into our relationships. Just a a steadfastness, a knowing that we we are uh, loved by God, that we're accepted by God, that we don't have to perform our way into acceptance. That's what we talked about the first week. The second week, last week, we talked about forgiveness and how if we don't forgive, we enslave ourselves, we trap ourselves. We talked about the unforgiving servant who has forgiven all this stuff and then he just couldn't forgive this debt. And we talked about how that that ruins us and how it ruins our relationships if we can't can't forgive. And so that was uh, that week. This week, we're going to be talking about Something a little different. Um, We're going to be talking about communication a little bit. And there's two little um, sections of this. But um, we're going to be talking about um, how we communicate, how we see each other, and how we um, uh, try to understand each other. We all have these filters, okay? Um, If I stood up here and I said, um, I just want everybody to know I'm a Democrat, uh, half of you, if my informal Living Spring poll is correct, half of you um, would say, I thought you were a Christian, okay? <laughs> the other half of you, if my informal poll is correct, is just like, yeah, right on, you know, okay? If I stood up and said, I'm, I'm a Republican, half of you would be like, I'm so sorry to hear that, you know? And other half of you would be like, yeah, that's right, you're an American, you know? So whatever. I mean, I mean this is, those are filters. When I use that word, Democrat, Republican, or whatever, you feel something and, and you see something. And, and it could be whatever. If you're brand new here and I got up and I turned around and I was Hispanic, you'd have some thoughts. You'd have some things. You'd think, oh, you know, if you're, if you're Hispanic, you'd be thinking, oh, I wonder if he you know, speaks Spanish or whatever. Uh, no, which is Spanish for no. Anyway, uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, you get up, white, middle-aged guy, okay, you know, whatever. He, we have these categories. This is the way our brain works. It go, we, we categorize things. Now, where we run into trouble is when those, we assign values to those categories. And we've seen that on the news very uh, recently where people had weird values of how they'd identify people and the value they'd give them. But we take these in. Now, here's the thing. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. The people we know the best 
okay? The people, the relationships we have that are the most intimate, the ones, the people that we've had uh, conversations with the longest, those filters and those categories are ingrained in us so much so that we think we know what they're going to say before they even say it. Because we've either spent so much time with them, we've been married to them a long time, we've raised them. What, if you pick the relationship, we think we know. And here's what, the, what we're going to learn about the Bible. That is very, very dangerous for your relationships. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, has what we're going to be talking about this morning. Seeking first to understand. Trying to understand what someone is feeling, what someone is, is uh, trying to process when we're involved in conversations, to be present enough to try to figure out what, what is it that they really need. Um, there's this guy who wrote a business book, uh, Patrick um, Lencioni. He, he wrote uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You're like, why are we just talking about business books? We'll get to the Bible, uh, which might be the greatest business book of all. Um, but he talked about two different ways to communicate. There's advocacy, and that means I have something I'm trying to get across, a point I'm trying to make, something I'm trying to sell, an idea I'm trying to make sure, uh, an argument I'm trying to win. That's advocacy. Okay, and then there's the other way, much more healthy, much more um, robust in your relationships, and that's inquiry. I'm trying to figure out, well, what is it about that? Why do you feel that way? Why do you have this perspective? Now, most of our language, and if you watch the news and all this kind of stuff, most of it is advocacy. They're trying to get a point across. They've got an agenda. They've got an idea, whatever. But those, that is not good for our relationships. Inquiry is what's good for our relationships. And so what I wanted to do this morning was I, I want to look at a section of scripture in uh, Philippians. This guy Paul wrote a book, um, it really is a letter to a church in Philippi, and uh, that letter got distributed all over the place. And uh, he loved that church, and he had a vision for that church. And what we're going to read is Philippians chapter 2, where he paints a picture of what a healthy community looks like. And then he says, And a really, really healthy community looks like this. And he gives a vision. And and when we see it, uh, even though it was for a church, we can all, without very little thought, think about what if my job was like that? What if my family was like that? What if my church was like that? Now, fortunately, your church is, but uh, other churches are not so lucky. Um, But in Philippians chapter 2, I love doing that. He paints this picture and he's just like says, if there's any encouragement from being united in Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any sharing of the spirit, if there's any of this kind of stuff, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. That's what he says, same mind. And he said, how do you do that? And that's the verse behind me. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, if we just stopped here and we went home and this was your workplace, what would work be like tomorrow? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, that each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Imagine what work would be like. Imagine if you went home. Imagine if this was your house. If someone said, oh boy, you, you know, we love the Smiths. They regard one another as more important than themselves. Imagine, take a deep breath, moms, if your kids were like this. Wow, that would be, I mean, let's not go crazy. But uh, 
you know, imagine, imagine if uh, uh, the church was like that. I mean, you can take this template and you can put it in any place there are relationships. That's the vision Paul has for this church. Now, here's the thing. This is the vision God has for your marriage. This is the vision God has for your family. This is the vision God has for your friendships. That we'd all have this humility of mind and we we would regard one another as more important than the other person. And he goes on and he he defines this uh, pretty clearly in this vision he has for that church and for us. He says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, how are you going to find out the interests of others if you don't understand them very well? If you try to, you know, if you know what the, oh, I know, oh, well, yeah, he's, he or she, oh, they're this way. So I know exactly what they're going to say, what they think, how they're going to be. That's the way they are. How do you know what their personal interests are? How can you fulfill, how can I fulfill this verse if I'm too busy looking after myself? Now, again, I, the question, what would it look like at your work, school, home, church, if we didn't merely look out for our own personal interests, but also for the interests of others, we started thinking, well, how is that going to affect so-and-so? And how is that going to affect so-and-so? Well, we can't do that because that might, that might put them out. Now, would those relationships get better or worse? Right? Easy question. They'd get, they'd get better. Now, Paul is serious about this. And you think, well, why, why should I do that? And Paul gives you the answer in this, in this next verse. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's kind of saying, look, I mean, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for you, you know. Jesus did a pretty good job on the earth with the relationship part, okay. He understood us. He understands us. Isn't that neat that we're asked to understand each other, to give deference to one another, to know about each other's interests and to serve each other, And that Jesus is the example who did that perfectly. Isn't that neat? That Jesus, God, God cares about your interests. He showed the way to do that. Now, how how do we go about uh, doing that? I mean, this morning, you're going to get maybe the most practical sermon you've ever heard, okay? It's, it's so simple. I mean, it's difficult to, to apply, but it's so simple to understand that even if you don't believe in the Bible, even if your mama dragged you here because it's Mother's Day, and you're like, all right, I will go because it's Mother's Day, and that's it, and, and they're giving a flower away at the end, and I didn't get you anything, so I'll just make you happy, and, and that's it. E- even if that's the only reason you're here, you don't even believe in the Bible. Here's what I'm, here's, here's I'm going to tell you. If you apply what we're about to read, your relationships will change for the better. You're like, I don't even believe in the Bible. It doesn't matter. If you apply what we're going to read, is two verses, um, your, your life is going to change in your relationships. Now, it's, it's in the book of James. And just so you understand the book of James, um, the book of James was Jesus' brother. And it was written like someone had ADD. Like it... It's, it's really jumbled, and, um, 
And so like we did, uh, we did a study on the book of James and I just went in and edited it all. Like I, I moved pieces over and I'm like, now we're going to jump to chapter four because James is, lost his mind and I don't know why. He, he'd, he'd talk about a thing and then he'd insert a bunch of stuff and then he'd talk about it again. It's like, James, really? You had no one to read this before you put it out? I mean, he, just bring it, take, take this. It's just cut and paste. It's not a big deal. You know, or, you know rip and papyrus back together again. I don't know how he did it, but, but that's the thing. And so in James, you'll be reading along and all of a sudden there'll be a verse and you're like, man, that's awesome. What, it doesn't, what does that have to do with what you were talking about? It's almost like James was writing. He's like, oh, I better write this down before I forget, you know, and, and, and it is. But the thing about James, for anyone who's read it, you know this, you read it and you're like, it's so true. It's so true. If I, could, if I could do, a lot of people say, what, what's the first book of the Bible I should read? And a lot of people point to John, and that's a great book. It talks about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, what's next? I'm like, James. And you can just spend the rest of your life in James because you won't get it. You won't do it all. It's just, it's, it's just really practical stuff. And so in the middle of James, uh, James chapter 1, uh, there's one of these sentences that, that kind of is just like, it's right there. And, um, and so what I did is I just broke it up into little pieces. And, 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 and as we go through each piece, you'll begin to see if you do this, your relationships are going to change for the better, okay? Um, and so uh, it's James chapter 1. He, here's the first section. He says, this you know, my beloved brother. In other words, he, he, this is just a fact of what's going on. You've experienced this. You know this. He says, but everyone must everyone. Now, what's exciting about this is this does not have to do with how spiritual you are. Oh, you've been, this next verse only applies if you've, if you've memorized the Bible. Now, you, you could have stumbled through those doors and been like, well, you know what? I'm going to try church out. This applies to you. You're part of everyone. If you're really young and you're just, you know, just in middle school, guess what? You happen to be part of the elite club called everyone. Right? If you're old and you've been to church a long time, you, congratulations, you made it to everyone. All right? You're a CEO. You're so important, everyone. And, and if you are the lowest man at your school or lowest woman at your work or whatever, guess what? You get to be in the everyone club. Okay? This is what he's talking about. This applies to everyone. Okay? Did I make it clear that it's everyone? Okay, good, good, because we could go all night. All right, here we go. Um, here's what he says. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Now, the thing about the Bible, a lot of times the Bible uses terms that we think, oh yeah, you know, listen, this, is, this word here is much richer than just to listen to someone. And, 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 and ladies, maybe I'm wrong, but tell me if I'm right. There are sometimes you're talking to him and he's listening, but he ain't listening. You know what I mean? Okay, right? I, like he's listening or he's there, he's hearing, but he ain't hearing. Or he, he isn't understanding, okay? And so, you know, lights on, nobody's home, or he's thinking about something. What else? You've experienced that. We all, we all have. It's not just, you know, I'm joking, but it's not just that. We, where you're talking to somebody, and they're listening. I mean, they can hear you, but they're not hearing you. This word here means hear, to understand. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses this term quite often. When he gets done with a point that he's really serious about, he says, 
Hey, if you have ears to hear, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. Let them understand. The word really is having the idea of understanding. He says this. He says uh, back in um, Matthew chapter 5, about six times he says, you've heard it said. In other words, you've understood this certain thing. But I say, he said, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I say, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. I want this to be your filter. When we get to the, to the commandments and you're just like, oh yeah, the 10 commandments, I know all of them. No, 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 I want you to change your filter. When we talk about uh, the kingdom of God, we're going to shift it over to something like this. I don't even want you saying to somebody they're foolish. I don't even want you hating anybody. I don't, I don't even want you getting upset like that. We're going to change everything. It's all that, if, if, if you've heard it, but now I say this. I told you about how he said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus at one time got really frustrated and he's like, oh, this is just like in the Old Testament where it says they'll, they'll have ears, but they won't hear. They'll have eyes, but they won't see. It's like he, and he starts quoting this Old Testament thing and he says, this is why I speak in parables because if you're not going to try to understand, I might as well just tell stories and you know, those who get it are going to get it. Quick to, un, to hear. You know what this could be? This could be Stephen Covey's Seek First to Understand. Now, Stephen Covey didn't come up with it. Actually, it's in the prayer of St. Francis, but uh, this, this could be it. Be quick to try to understand where the people are coming from. To hear. Yeah, you know, again, to listen. Like, you're not, you're not hearing. We say this a lot. You're not hearing me. What do we mean? They can hear. So we mean you're not understanding where I'm coming from. And isn't that frustrating? The Bible says, hey, be quick to try to be that kind of person, that kind of husband, that kind of wife, that kind of um, son or daughter or mom or dad. Be that kind of person that's quick to try and understand. Doesn't this sound a lot like that Philippians thing? Don't look after your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. The... Um, uh, our daughter, Audrey, when she was uh, eight, no, younger than that, when she was just like four or five, she would stutter. She had a really bad stuttering problem. And um, if you've known me for any length of time, like five minutes, I'm not very patient. I'm not a very patient person. And so somebody stuttering is like, oh, you know. Um, and so she'd, she'd come up to me and she'd be like, dad, 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 dad. I'm like, yes, dad, I got that one. Right, dad, uh-huh, right. And she'd be like, oh, I, 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 went, I went to the, f- I'm like, fire station, Ford dealership, florist. What? I mean, I, uh, uh, you know. And, and uh, now here's the thing. So what they tell you in, in speech therapy and all that kind of stuff, and we have one here, so to, you can email me if I'm wrong. But that's the worst thing you can do to someone stuttering is try to fill in the blanks for them because then they're, like, they start all over again. Like, well, you know, well, I don't even know. And so I had to sit. I mean, part of me was just like, look, write it down and just like have mom proofread it and then I'll just bring it to me, hand me the thing and I'll be like, okay, cool, got it. You went to the front yard, you saw a turtle. Good, I'm glad. That's great, right? I had to learn because I love my daughter. I'm joking, but there were, were times where I'm just an evil man. But um, uh, where, where you'd sit and you'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, right? And slowly, slowly, she began to get out of this stuttering thing because she knew she didn't have to get it in there. She could just take her time. Now listen, how many times have you been listening to someone, not a stutterer, 
But they're talking, and you're like, I know what they're going to say. Yeah, you start filling in words for them. By the way, people love it when you do that, so keep up the good work. They love to be in a conversation and have you finish their sentences. It's really great. No, of course not. We hate that. And what do we say? You're not hearing me. You're, you, you, you're, you're, again, it's this filter. You think you know what I'm going to say, but I want you to hear me. Isn't it encouraging that the Bible says, yes, be those types of people that are quick to hear. Look what the Bible says uh, in Proverbs. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Why is it a guy all the time in Proverbs? That, that's the problem, right? He who gives an answer before he hears. I'll bet, I'll bet the writer really did that on purpose. It's like, no, these are pretty much dudes who do that. Um, but this is what James is saying. Everyone must be quick to hear. If we're going to have the kind of relationships that are important, that, are, that, that we invest in, this is going to have to be one of the big things that we do. We're quick to hear. Imagine how your relationships would change. Here's this one. My beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. Hmm. Man, isn't that one hard? I told you, James, (laughs) it's a hard book. Slow to speak. Now, sometimes you think slow to speak is giving a long period of time before you speak. Okay? And that's your time to reload all your ammo. So when you're in an argument... (laughs) You can kind of go, oh, no, it's really good. No, I'm just being quiet, loading my gun here. I got, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to say when you're done. Okay, Mm, oh, wow. You know, it's like, you're all ready. And so they get finished, and you're just like, "Uh uh-huh, you know. That's what I'm talking about. Guess what? The Bible, that word slow is not give a little bit of time before you unload, Okay. You know what it really means? It means to be dull, like to actually be slow. You could, you could translate it to be stupid in speech. Here's the thing. You might not know everything is really what this is saying. Be slow. All of a sudden, come with the idea of like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. It says here, I, I wrote it down. It says, um, it's metaphorically dull, inactive, in mind, stupid, slow to apprehend or believe. Be just kind of, you're still working it out. That you don't come with just a, oh, yeah, I know what you're going to say. I, you know, you slow down. Like, yeah. See, if you're quick to hear and you're like, wow, I wonder what they're really feeling about this. Maybe, maybe I, I don't need to win this argument. Check out what it says in the Bible in Proverbs again. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. Isn't that true? You ever, you ever talked yourself into a bunch of terrible stuff? But he who restrains his lips is wise. It says it again in chapter 17. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I just like that because it's like, hey, I got a cool spirit. I didn't even know that was in the Bible when I saw that. I was like, that's cool. <clears throat> All right. It says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. Isn't that true? Right? And discerning if they hold their tongues. You ever been in a meeting and there's a person who never said anything and everyone's like, wow, he's really, wow. And he's just thinking like, foot long subway meatball sandwich. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
provolone cheese. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on, but the fact that he didn't open his mouth, you know, you've heard that. Don't open your mouth and prove it to everybody that, that you don't know what's going on. Here's another thing. Here's what the Bible says. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Wow. So James says, but everyone, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Have you ever been talking to somebody and uh, maybe you're getting into an argument, maybe, maybe you're, you're speaking like we said, um, you have an agenda, okay? Um, and so you're talking and you're arguing over this little thing and they, they slip up in their logic and you're just like, oh yes, I got it. That's it, that's his magic bullet. Oh, keep talking all day long. Go ahead. I got it. I, got, I know what I'm going to say. And you're going to cry. You're going to rend your clothing. My logic will be so airtight because I'm, a, I'm, I'm an expert at this. And you just watch. And then you're, you're just waiting because they, they messed up. And you know you've got them. You're in a really dangerous position at that time if you care about that relationship. God says... Be careful. It'd be better for you to be dull of speech. Not win the argument. Not be the one who knows everything. Not, you're just, you're in. It, it, you, yeah, you got the potential power to unload. You could win the argument. But if you care about that relationship, the Bible says, be dull of speech. Just back off a little bit. Figure out another way to say it. That doesn't have to win it right there. Isn't it encouraging how much the Bible cares about your relationships? Be quick to hear, slow to speak. One, one other thing that I want to uh, talk about just in that um, section of, of the slow to speak part. Um, we talked about this in our small group on Friday. If we're having a conversation and um, I, I, I choose not to talk. I mean, again, we are engaging in conversation. It's not that I just you know, do the silent treatment. But I choose to take this slow of speech approach, okay? And so I'm not talking as much, or I'm not trying to go, yeah, but, oh, well, you don't, you know, I, I, I take this slow of speech. And so we're both talking, and I, I take this slow of speech. Who, who's allowed to talk then? Well, you, you are, right, if we're in the conversation. Here, here's the thing. Who else is allowed to talk? Who, who else gets a voice there? The Spirit of God. See, if I'm talking, I'm not leaving room for the Spirit of God to talk. And let me ask you this about your relationships. Who would you rather have pouring into your relationships? You or the Spirit of God? Who would you like to win your argument? You or the Spirit of God? Who would you like to have convinced that person you're talking to? You or the Spirit of God. See, if, if I take this slow of speech, I leave room for the Spirit of God maybe to do a work in that person who I love at a much, much deeper level than I could and most likely probably won't. And so the other thing in my silence is I get to hear the Spirit of God. And maybe instead of talking, God's, uh, instead of me talking, God says, hey, you need to let this go, dude. God says, dude, when he talks to me. I don't know why, but anyway. Like, you, you need to let this go. Why are you so angry about this? Why, why, why do you care? 
What does it matter? It goes back to that first week. Are you insecure about something? You don't want to be wrong? Let's, let's deal. Forget the argument. Be slow to speak here. Let's, let's start talking about that. You see how that works? Everyone, be quick to hear. Try to understand what's going on. And this, this applies if you're a manager and you've got people uh, that, you, that you manage on your team. Quick, quick to hear. Slow to speak. If you're on a team and maybe you're not the manager, maybe you're just a team member, quick to hear, so to speak. How, how do you think your marriage, all of your relationships would work if we did this? And he goes on, you know, just real quick. Matthew in chapter 12 um, is just this horrible, Jesus um, says this really horrible thing, like scary. He says, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So oftentimes if you find yourself going, oh, I didn't mean to say that. You, know, you didn't mean to say it out loud, but that's what's, that's what's in there, okay? Yeah, you blurted it out, but out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so you're like, yeah, I understand. I'm working on that. But then he says this in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 12. He says, um, in the end, the day of judgment, everyone's going to have to give an account for every careless word they've spoken. Like, everyone, Jesus, every careless word, because there are some I ask for forgiveness for. Can we just sweep those under the rug? So our words carry a lot of weight. They, they can do some serious damage. We'll talk about this in a few weeks, but, but this idea of slow to speak. I want to be slow to speak because I don't want to give an account for it later, okay? All right, the last thing here, and slow to anger. Anger is the emotion of conclusion. You've made your judgment, and now you render yourself angry. And so what what James is saying is, look, if you're in a conversation, if you're, you know, kind of going and and you're you're quick to hear and you're slow to to speak, and then also slow to anger, don't don't just let it flare up and, oh, I know exactly what you're doing, and boo, here it comes. Because what happens then is that you can't be quick to hear. And you're probably not slow to speak if you're that angry, unless you're the type of person that says, no, I'm fine, and they walk away, and you know, that, that's that. That's not what, what James is talking about. Slow to anger. And here's what he says, which is really, really amazing, the next verse. He says, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Check this out. If I'm in my relationships and I'm not quick to hear, and I'm really fast to speak, and I'm getting angry, the kingdom of God is not able to rule and reign in that relationship. My being angry doesn't accomplish anything. Now, in our particular culture, in this particular day, there's lots of things that are designed to make you angry. There are Twitter accounts that are there just to get you your anger of the day uh, tweet. Okay, there's news stations. Their whole job is to get you riled up. And the thing is, what the Bible is saying is that that doesn't work. You getting mad does not change anything. I don't care how mad you are at the government. You could sit in your room all day long and just throw stuff at the television. It's not like they go, wow, they're really mad out there. Let's not do this anymore. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you can be mad all you want. Get your newspapers and blogs and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't do, it doesn't 
have the righteousness of God. And here's what James is saying. Look, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but in the circle of influence, in the things you can change, in the people around you that are important to you, if you really want the righteousness and the fullness of the kingdom of God, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, I'll ask the question I've been asking this whole time. Can you imagine what our relationships would be like if this was it? If we were all like this? If we all really, like in our marriages, we really sought to really understand our spouse? That we, 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 we took the time to really listen and we didn't fill in the blanks because we know we've been married for 20 years. I know what she's going to say before she says it. That we really said, okay, what, 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 what can I do? How do I go back to that Philippians verse? How do I, how do I not look after my own personal interests but also the interests of others? What, how can I really hear you? Maybe it starts off with that question. How can, I, how can I really hear you? And then we make the conscious effort, whether we got all the ammo or not. You know what? I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm going to be dull to speak. I'm just going to be, I'm going to take this, instead of advocacy, I'm going to take the, uh, the, the standpoint of inquiry. And then slow to get angry. Man, our offices would change. Our families would change. Our school would change. Our communities would change. Here's the thing. It's got to start with us. 